hovering over the skies of a post-Christian society, we have spotted a man with a donut in one hand and rosary beads in another. Child, I'm about to whoop Satan's behind. He is boldly proclaiming truth and reason like no rigid Catholic ever has before. The David L. Gray Show begins now. Eternal Father, we offer you the body, blood, soul, and divinity of your dear beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. In some of our sins to those who are world, world, whole world. And Eternal Father, and you must said day throughout the world for all the holy stars in purgatory, for sinners everywhere, those in the universal church, our own household, and our family. We pray. And especially we pray for the soul of Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI, Joseph Ratzinger. Our dearly beloved Pope Emeritus, Benedict XVI, passed away today on December 31st, uh, 2022, in the Ecclesia Monastery in the Vatican. Uh, he was 95 years old. He had became Pope on April 19th, 2005, and famously resigned on February 28th. 2013. So I just want to hop on here in this live just to share just a few thoughts um, about this resonation. I mean, about the, the death of Pope Benedict, um, who for the last 10 years, you know, he's lived in the Vatican there with also with Pope Francis for the last 10 years. Like I said, he Resigned at 85, and now he's passed away at 95. And um, I'll cut to the chase about one thing. I think I'll start off like this. Well, maybe I'll start off. Let me preface. Let me make a, a quick preface about this first. Um, I think over the next few weeks, of course, <clears throat> a lot of chickens are going to come home to roost. A lot of things that people have been saying for the past 10 years about Pope Benedict the 16th not resigning or Pope Francis not being a true Pope and Pope Benedict the 16th is still the Pope. I think those chickens have to come home to roost now, right? Um, that if you thought Benedict was the real Pope and now he's passed away, then then therefore follows that the seats of Peter is vacant and it has to be a conclave. Everyone who believed that Pope Benedict is a true Pope Therefore, then logically, then logically follows that now there's some sort of set of a contest. So that, that's one thought I preface this with. Se second thought I preface this with, I think over the next <laughs> until forever, um, a new industry is now going to emerge. You know, I've talked before about the whole Fatima industry, how there's a whole industry and people make money around the idea of the, you know, the secrets of Fatima, the secrets that haven't been revealed. Russia was never consecrated. That whole industry, and I really don't have an opinion about it other than to say it's an industry. So now there's a new industry that's going to emerge about there not being a pope, and we're not going to have a, a real pope again until the next conclave. Um, so that, that's a, so I, I think you'll see a lot of that on the whole online space in the Catholic, in the Catholic verse. You, you're going to see a lot of that. And, um, you know, I think it's disappointing. That, that'd probably be the last thing I have, I'll say about it, right? 
because um, it's kind of boring to me. But so I'll, I'll preface that and say that um, about that. The second thing I wanted to say is um, I just love Pope Benedict the Sixteenth. I really did. I just, I just truly loved him as a pope. I mean, he's a pope when I became a Catholic in two thousand and six, and he played a, a huge role in me becoming a Catholic because I had a lot of doubts about the Catholic Church, just issues I was just having with um, some aspects of just you know me focusing in too much on people. It was right, right at the tail end of the sex abuse crisis, and um. um but when I looked at Pope Benedict, I started reading him. You can see on my shelf right there, right behind the drum, that's like a whole shelf of books <laughs> that I have from Pope Benedict, from him, written by him, and, and just about him. And I started reading him back, I think about 2008, I started reading him. No, I got to be before that, before I was Catholic. So I started probably started reading him about, yeah, in 2006, I started reading him. Um. And I just thought he was the smartest person who God ever made. <laughs> I just thought he was so brilliant. He has such a beautiful way of communicating the faith. And I thought back then, I had a lot of questions about the Catholic Church, but I was like, if the Catholic Church is good enough for Cardinal Ratzinger, Joseph Ratzinger, Pope Benedict, if the church is good enough for him, then it's certainly good enough for me because he's clearly smarter than me. And that's nothing. I, nothing that's something I don't say about a lot of people. <laughs> That they're smarter than me, but uh, clearly he's far more brilliant than I am. And if the church is good enough for him, it was, it was definitely good enough for me. So he played a huge role in me becoming a Catholic. And his approach to theology is the simplistic approach. Um, his his um, deep love for the liturgy and how he views the liturgy as a timeless space deeply affected my understanding and how I communicate the liturgy of the mass, the people, my liturgical theology. He played, you know, if you, if you read my, if you ever read my first book, that's, you know, not available anymore. It's called cooperating with God life with the cross. And there's another book in that series, the bridegroom's prayer. You know, you read, you read that book, you're pretty much reading like um, someone, you could tell how deeply uh, my theology, my approach to theology would just, Theology was influenced by Pope Benedict XVI. So he played a, a huge role in me becoming Catholic. And as just like a, a distant learning student of his, he's he just, he shaped and formed my theology and how I approach liturgical theology and how I approach Christology as well. So um, I'm going to miss him so much. Um, you know, this is really just my, my first papal death since I've become a Catholic. I never had a Pope die. So I'm just kind of, proce you know, I'm processing it right now. You know, as I talk and I'm like really sad, as you can see. Um, one thing, you know, so I really think Pope Benedict should be made like a saint now. <laughs> you know, what's the saint? Um, Santo Subitio, saint now. I really think he should be. I think he was the last the greatest Pope um, in many of our lifetimes. I mean, he really was a Pope. I mean, just a true Pope. He didn't apologize about being Pope. He wore the red shoes. <laughs> he dressed the part. And he was such a rare Pope because he was both a, um, 
a theologian and a pope. I mean, we, we, we hardly ever get that. Someone who's a theologian and a pope. So we were blessed by that. A lot of popes that we get are just administrators. Sometimes they're pastoral like Francis. But he was a true theologian and a pope. That, that is so rare in the Catholic Church. I really think he needs to be a saint now. Not only be made saint now, but also doctor of the church now. Like, we shouldn't even wait. <laughs> like, make him a doctor of the church now. I mean, his books are just timeless. They're going to be with us forever. And um, even a book he wrote, um, I think it's right there, the book he wrote about um, saints and doctors of the church. Um, such a, just a phenomenal, just, just, as a, just, just such a phenomenal theologian. The way he communicated, the way he wrote his series on um, Jesus, three books, three books he wrote about that. Um, um, his life just, just d deeply impacted me. Um, so I'm going to miss him a lot. I missed him ever since he resigned. And um, like I said, if not for him, I probably don't become Catholic. But he was a great defender of the of tradition. I mean, everything he did to promote the traditional Latin Mass, the things that he did to correct um, deficiencies in a Norris Ordo. Um, if not for what he did back in 19, I think 1983, when a new um, Code of Canon Law was coming out. You know, there was some, there's, I wrote about this in, in a number of articles, and obviously in my book, The Catholic Catechism on Freemasonry, I wrote about this, about if, if not for him, there there was a lot in the issues, 60s and 70s, there were so many machinations going on in the Catholic Church and in the Holy See in the Vatican. Um, so many subplots with the Freemasons, people really trying to bring, normalize Freemasonry inside the Catholic Church. And even people like... <clears throat> Um, his predecessor in the CDF, his name escapes me for at the moment, but he was trying to bring Freemasonry in, into the Catholic Church, normalize it. And so the, the new code of canon law was coming out, which I talked about this in my book. There's some aspects of it. I think the new code of canon law concerning secret societies is a little bit stronger than the 1917 prescription about Freemasonry, even though the name Freemasonry is a mention, but that's, you know, that's a, you know, I, I digress. But you know, the question was posed to him, you know, are Freemasons still, the Code of Canon Law doesn't mention Freemasonry anymore. Is Freemasons, is it still okay now? So he wrote, <clears throat> uh, um, he addressed this question right before the Code of Canon Law was formally promulgated. And he, he, was, he was like, no, everything is still the same. Uh, Freemasons are still excommunicated. Um, not only is the... Um, the teaching hasn't changed, but the penalty is still the same. So that, that was him. Somebody owe him a great deal for that because there, there was so much going on in the 60s and 70s that everything could be so much different if he wasn't the pre uh, prefect of the Congregation of Doctrine of Faith in 1983. Um, so we owe him a great deal for that. Um, uh, we owe him a great deal for things he um, 
has said about what Catholics can agree on and disagree on. We could disagree about the death penalty. We can disagree about some other things, but he completely burned up this idea of a seamless garment um, that you still, you know, I think Pope Francis just recently taught it. He's trying to, you know, he's trying to, you know, he magisterially taught the seamless garment recently. Listen to my interview with John Henry Weston about that. But um, Pope Benedict, uh, we owe him a great deal for that. So, I mean, the only thing people can say about him is that, you know, why did he resign? If not for his resignation, we don't have Francis, right? So that's the only thing people can, you know, hold against hold against them. But he had his reasons. Um, God obviously allowed it. And um, so, um, so we were definitely surprised by his resignation in 2013. We're not so surprised by his death here on the last day of the year. You know, he resigns on the last day of February. <laughs> he passes away on the last day of the year. And we're not too much surprised by that. We got some sort of notice, I think on Thursday or Wednesday, I think Wednesday, <laughs> that he was really um, sick. So we're not surprised. But... Um, so definitely for me, just really, really sad. Like I said, I'm going to miss him. And, um, and I just like just be on the record to be at least one of the first people to say Saint Subito, make him a saint now. Exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. I can't say it loud enough and make him a doctor of the church now. And um, that's all I'll say about that. And um, let me get to, let me get to a few of your thoughts and then I'll head out of here. It's um, New Year's Eve and I'm sure everyone's busy. Audi Kaufman says, count me among his cult of sainthood. Dan says, sad news. Yeah. Chris says, David, I wonder if Francis will let Benedict have a traditional type of funeral mass or will it be a banjo mass? Apparently, Pope Francis is going all out. They're going to give him every honor as a sitting pope who passed away as pope, except for the fact that his funeral will not be facing you know, the conclave. So that, that was good to hear about Pope Francis is going to treat this as... Um, well, at least that's what we're hearing now. The Pope Francis is going, is going to treat his funeral as a sitting pope. So that's good news. Linda says, I will miss him too. Elena, she says, well, St. Sibitio, St. Benedict, St. Benedict. Yeah, I like that. St. Benedict Sixteenth. With such a deep, compassionate, intellectual giant, I agree. Yeah, definitely agree. He should be a doctor of the church. Yeah. Now, yeah, I don't think I mentioned that initially. His not only he was a pope and a theologian. I mean, he was a theologian who always wanted to be a theologian. He just always wanted to teach. The whole pope thing was something that, you know, he didn't ask for. But his theology, it was not it was not hard. It was easy, it was compassionate, it was understanding. He had a gift of being a deeply intellectual giant as well as being able to communicate the most complex things in the most simple way. 
a a three-year-old can read a lot of his books <laughs> and maybe understand things very well. He had just a gift of communicating something that, again, I, I've, I've tried for the past, you know, 16 years to try to imitate, you know, I, I would never, I probably had never get there, obviously, but I'm, I'm not as humble as him, <laughs> but, um, but I think that played a big part in how he wrote. He would write theology. He said, you know, he wrote theology on his knees. You know, he wrote while praying, kind of like how um, Joseph Hayden would compose music with a rosary in his hand. And I think that's the only way to approach theology, on your knees. Um, so, beautiful gift. Don Schwab said, for sure, doctor of the church. Such a great Pope and scholar. Um, D. Lundy says he saw the necessity to resign so that he could continue his joy of being a Christian. The corruption in the church must have made him sick and he would have and would have given him a much earlier death. Indeed, he should be a doctor of the church. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the wolves in the church were definitely having a go at him. All right. And that's what some people say. Well, he should just stayed and fought, right? Um, then, then other people, I guess, like D, definitely understands that maybe he could have done more work on his knees praying for the issues rather than fighting them. Um, Mary Corrigan says, "Thank you for your commentary about Pope Benedict. I felt he was holy and humble." Yeah. Those are two virtues that are quite too rare among many cardinals, bishops, and priests today. May he rest in peace. Amen. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, they called him the Doberman. Yeah, remember that before he came, before he became Pope, we had, he, you know, he had a reputation as being a Doberman in the CDF. Uh, why? Was he tough on protecting the church? Yeah, I think he, he just didn't play around with the dogma he was he was rigid he was a very rigid person and he was definitely a, a hound of heaven right in a mode of mode of any dominican which he wasn't but um that's where he got the reputation from he did not play around when it came to the doctrine and the dogma of the church totally agree I will pray for your ministry. Thank you for your wisdom and love for our beloved church. Oh, thank you, Elena. D. Lundy says, yes, God allowed his resignation. Too many will not, will not accept the will of God. Yeah. It's so easy to hold on to power, but you have these people who across time, we encounter them, right? You have, you know, Cincinnatus, right? Uh, Rome, he was famously resigned, went back to farming, so the story goes. You have George Washington famously resigned when he could have been made king. <laughs> and and then there's Pope Pope Benedict the Sixteenth, you know, resigned. Um while he was still healthy. And that was quite a contrast coming off of Pope Saint Pope John Paul II, who stayed on to his death while he was quite ill. So we saw quite we saw in in this lifetime, in this generation, we saw two completely different papacies, and we're blessed by that. All right. 
Joe also says, great scholar and theologian. He would be, we'll be reading his writings for centuries. <laughs> yeah, at least, at minimum, centuries. Um, we'll probably be declared a doctor of the church. May he rest in peace and intercede against the munitions of Francis and, me, and his minions. Yes, I... Um, we definitely need his intercessions in heaven. We do. That's why, um, you know, it's never too early to ask him. You know, he doesn't have to be made a saint now or saint 10 years from now for us to ask him to pray for us. Obviously, the first thing we do need to do, obviously, is, is to pray for his soul, obviously, because we don't have any certainty that he's in heaven. But definitely when, when the, the church um, declares him to be blessed, right, serving a God, then um, that that's going to be a tremendous time for us to definitely turn to him and ask for his intercessions. So you're yeah, definitely looking forward. Great, great comment, Joe. Thanks for all these comments you guys are making. I really appreciate it. Um, Mary says, tomorrow is the solemnity of our blessed Virgin Mary. And may he be in heaven with her. Yeah, blue, blue hearts. Yeah, thank you for that, Mary. Yeah, yeah. Um. Carol says, thank you, David. Well, thank you. BB says, we will we'll mourn his mourn this faithful shepherd and brace ourselves for what is to come. <laughs> yeah. And I really don't want to think about what's to come, but yeah, we as I preface this whole talk, is 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 definitely going to be silly season. And and good for Pope Francis. You know, um, I always wondered him, you know, of course, you know, uh, and I, I'm well on the record, right? I've, how many videos have I made about Pope Francis being the worst Pope ever? <laughs> no, but we pray for him, right? He's clearly the duly elected Pope. No one at the conclave that elected him denies it. Um, but I always, always wondered about, right? Here he is, Pope. Also in the Vatican with him is Pope Emeritus. And I always wonder how that felt, right? for him. And, um, it's going to be interesting to see what type of Pope he is now, not having the, um, the glow of Pope Benedict Emeritus, um, there at the Vatican as well. It's going to be, it's going to be interesting. Elena says, imagine what he lived through similar to Pope John Paul II born before World War II living in Germany. Yeah, what he saw and lived through. I'd love to read a biography about him. Yeah, and I think his brother is still alive, isn't he? Uh, former well, Cardinal Ratzinger. Isn't his brother still alive? I don't know. Somebody let me know in, in the, in the um, comment box. But if, if he is still alive, we definitely pray for what him and his family is going through. All the Ratzingers, you know. All, everyone else close to him. You know, definitely pray for them. You see how deeply affected I am, and I never even met him in person, but I just, I just read him for the last 16 years, and I'm deeply, deeply affected and sad. Um, yeah. Josephine Praise, Tisha Morris, thank you, and many blessings for the new year. Yeah, Happy New Year, um, Tisha Moore, to you as well. Um, my friend Brianna, oh no, just getting the news. Eternal rest upon him. Yeah. Um, Lydia, 
Thank you, David. I share your sentiment and opinion on our beloved Pope Benedict XVI. He radiates peace and humility. Yeah, we did mention the peace part. I think uh, a couple of people mentioned the humility and, yeah, just peace, right? Um, it was amazing just those those 10 years to... No more, more than yeah, he's, uh, those eight years. Yeah, eight years. He was pope. Just have like a drama-free pope, and how he just handled everything with dignity and, and class and honor, and just to have a pope like him, who we knew that everything was everything was fine. Uh, versus the last ten years of uncertainty and kind of, you know, it's been kind of weird these last, you know, the last decade, but. Yeah. Yeah, peace is a good word as well. Thanks for that, Lydia. Uh, Pink says, yeah, thank you for jumping online, David. Oh, thanks for, for being here and alive with me as I'm processing this whole thing. So, uh, she says, I believe December 31st is the Feast of St. Sylvester. Okay, well, St. Sylvester, um, pray for us and Pray for the soul of our Pope, Benedict the Sixteenth. Elena says, "No, his brother, his brother passed away." Okay, yeah. I think I, yeah, I think I may remember that. Yeah, so let's pray for all the Ratzingers. Um, Brandon says Pope Benedict was so special. I loved him dearly. He wrote so many books. Yeah, he wrote. Yeah, he wrote. I think I have. I have to double check, but. Right over here, I think I have all of his books. Um, I have to go back and double check because I guess the, all the prices of his books are going to go up now. <laughs> I better check today to see what I don't have so I can make sure I get it at a reasonable price. <laughs> uh, Pope Sylvester, saint who served from Pope from 314 to 335. Medieval legend made him responsible for the conversion of the Emperor Constantine. Hmm. Interesting. So what do they do in those cases? Uh, I, have to, I have to check the Roman calendar to see if Sylvester is on there, if he's on a new new calendar. I guess if he's not, then if they did make Pope Benedict the Pope, I guess this would be his official day. Um... So that, yeah, I got I got to take a look at that. Dora says the day he resigned, lightning struck the Vatican. Yeah, that was that was quite ominous, wasn't it? We didn't we didn't really know what to think of it at the time. We really don't know what to think of it now, right? But it, it's still it's still one of those ominous signs that okay, what what just happened? Um Sissy Brooks says. Uh, Mary, never say he will be in heaven. The dogma of hell and purgatory re re reiterates the necessity to much fasting, prayer, and penance, particularly for a clergy is urgent and important. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. That's why, yeah, that's why I started off this live stream just praying for all the souls in purgatory. You know, that's the first, our first duty, obviously, is to pray for a soul. Um, 
then if the time comes for the when the church declares them at least a servant of God, that we're looking into um, the cause of his sainthood had begun. That's you know, of course, that's when we can formally start asking him for prayers. Um, but yeah, obviously, we don't assume anything. But I am saying, Saint Sabitio, <laughs> Saint now, doctor of the church now, right? So, because with the church bounds on earth, God bounds in heaven. What's bound in heaven is bound on earth. So, Saint now. His brother was ordained with him on the same day, passed away several years ago. Wow, it's been several years. Wow. Okay. Thanks for that, Trina. Uh, Pink comes back in. I believe Pope Benedict XVI sought to please the Lord. Yeah, he wasn't. And I'm not going to have a whole show here, right? I'm not going to. You know, it's not, it's not even time to contrast so much Benedict with Francis, right? You know, there'll be there'll be time to write books about that in the future. But there is a difference between you see a pope who's trying to reform the church and remake the church in his image, taking on this call of Francis of Assisi to rebuild the church, but wants to remake it in his Argentinian image, his Marxist image, whatever, whatever that, whatever the image is, he's trying to remake it versus a Pope who just wanted to serve. Right. There's a distinction here. Someone who's remaking someone who's serving. And I was, again, that, that, that time he was a Pope. It was just, it was so because of that, it was peaceful because he, he seemed to just let God just let God. And that's what it looks like if you if you just in your life, if you just let God. Verse versus asking God to, you know, get behind you. Hey, get behind me, God. This is what I'm trying to do. Get behind me. It's two different approaches to life. Two different approaches to the papacy. So we're we're blessed to see that. And Pam says, Pope Benedict XVI teachings may have saved the church from losing herself to modernism. That's a good comment. In a time of historic disorientation, his rigidness held the line. Pope Francis, mercy. I'm saying compliments. Yeah, I think I think I understand what you're saying there. Yeah, are you saying that uh, Pope Francis? What we can see in Pope Francis is not so much someone's rigid, someone who's not so much, um, you know, pastoral, right? He has. If Pope Francis was like your 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 your, your parish priest, your pastor in your parish, um. I guess you can kind of see how someone like like that would would work for um, someone big hearted like that. Someone who 
we're not going to get into Francis machinations, but clearly the guy has a big heart and he's, he does seem kind and he does seem to want to encounter people, right? He is a people person. He does have his favorites clearly, <laughs> but I, th I think he does want to bring the church to the people. You know, that's, that's how he sees the church in his head. Pope, Bob, Pope Benedict was more, you take, you would put Pope Benedict back in 1817, back when they were like papal states, and he would still be like the same type of Pope, right? You put Pope Benedict in any time in the church, Pope Benedict, any time in the church, he works, right? And he, he's not a disruptor at all. Um, he, he's just, he's a teacher, he's, he's father, and he's rigid, right? He holds the line. As Pam said, so yeah, I like that about him. Pope Francis, I don't know if you could put him in any age of the church. Right? Some ages in the church that you know he's definitely going to get killed. <laughs> Somebody's going to slip him a little something <laughs> in his drink, right? Pretty fast. Metanoia Faith says, when we die, we don't rest in peace. We remain faithful, faithfully alive in Christ. We continue as who we are, albeit as a pure, sanctified soul, and continue to be active participants in the life of the church triumphant. Yeah, I, I guess either in purgatory, that's not, that's not resting in peace, you know, before you're purified, or when you're when you're made pure out, out of purgatory, you're not resting in peace. You know, you're still, you know, one thing about love is that love is the only cardinal virtue, the only theological virtue that doesn't die. Love is the one thing that extends beyond the grave. And because love extends from beyond the grave and because love is an action word, People who are loving will always be loving. Although people who are loving will, will not always be faithing. They may not always be hoping because their hope is realized and their faith is realized. But they continue their loving beyond the grave. So, yeah. Yeah. So based on that, yeah, I would definitely agree with what you're saying. And those who love serve. So because love never dies, those in Christ are always serving. No time. No time for rest. Um, Pink says, Benedict said, when assuming the papacy, pray for me that I may not flee for fear of the wolves. Let us pray for another that the Lord will carry us. Yeah. Amen. Umbrina says, yes, dignity and peace. That is a perfect description of him. I felt that the Holy Church was safe. Yeah. No upheaval, just peace. Right, no, no disruption. <laughs> um, now, like we are, like on, on a wobble board, like we, like we use to <laughs> strengthen your ankles. Yeah, that's a good analogy. I like that. Lydia says, "Thank you, Dad, for your video. I always watch them whenever I can watch on repeat, depending on what time I go to bed. As I live in Australia, new Catholics like yourself strengthen our faith. Yeah, yeah." 
Thank you for that. I think we're closer on the same time zone now since I'm in Germany now. So, and I love that I'm like 16 years old in the faith and like you cradle Catholics are still calling me a new Catholic. I like that. I appreciate that because I don't feel new <laughs> at all anymore. I try not to feel jaded though. That, that, that's what I, I try not to be. Um, KP Jack. Jackson Pekney says, agree, David. Make him a saint now. There we go. Saint now. Just joining in. He's praying to Pope Benedict. I'm in shock today. Yeah. Yeah. I guess at least we knew is, you know, we, we at least got the opportunity to pray for him since Wednesday. You know, we knew he had gotten sick. Pope Francis says, you know, pray for Pope Emeritus. And so at least we got opportunity to pray for him. So that was good. Uh, Trina says, George Ratzinger died on July 1, 2020 at age 96. Wow. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, a couple of years ago. Yeah, that, that's kind of what I have in my head now that I'm hearing it. Um, Doris says, my heart aches for the church. As it looks very different from the church I grew up with. My children are starving spiritually. Please pray for me and my children. Thank you. Yeah, let's let's all say a prayer for Doris and for her family. Um, for her needs. And let's pray. Apaches for the spirits or something. He can get some good encouragement there. And Graham says, oh my gosh, the Pope is gone. And Brian says, I never thought he was new, but I love how you immediately loved our faith. How God loves shines so brightly through you. No one would know until you are said that you are new. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Brian. All right, um, about to get out of here. It is about 1.41 p.m. here, so I'm going to get New Year, the New Year before you, some of you do. So um, we're supposed to be in Belgium right now. That's where we plan to be for New Year's. We're going to a couple of places in, in, in Belgium, but for some strange reason, our Volvo did not want to go to Belgium with us. It was such a strange thing, right? Faithfully reliable car. No problems with her for like since 2013. All of a sudden she decides she doesn't want to go to Germany. So we get, she doesn't want to go to Belgium. So we get about, we get into Belgium and she starts arguing and fussing with us. You know, she starts making these strange noises, grunting and herky jerky. So, we take so we take the car to a mechanic in Belgium who speaks French. I don't even speak German well. I hardly speak English well. So there's like, you know, all these mechanics around in the garage. Everyone has their like phone out talking to Google. We're all trying to translate each other. So um we finally, after like a half an hour, we understand each other. And um uh, so yeah, nothing, I don't think it's nothing, nothing really major, major. 
with the car. Um, but we didn't feel comfortable enough to keep driving to Belgium. So we just turned around and came back to Germany. So we're here for New Year. Um, I wanted to go downtown Kaiserslautern, but the bishop is coming to the parish in the morning. As you know, I'm the, par- I'm the pastoral life coordinator there. So um and we're down to one car now so i can't convince my wife to party all night downtown and then wake up at 7 30 to go to the parish to get everything ready for the bishop so i guess i'm going to be here maybe there's going to be fireworks in the small town where we live but that's what i'm doing and I'll, i'll be you know I guess for the rest of the day, I'll definitely have Pope Benedict on my mind, praying for him silently. So, but yeah, let's head out of here. I wish you all a happy new year. Let me get to these last, a few of these last comments and we'll, we'll get our, we'll finish off the rest of 2022. Um, Paisley says, I'm pumping his first mass. He said in a homily, pray for me that I may not fear the wolves. Yeah. He suffers silently and alone during his tenure in a chair of Peter. Wolves all around him. Yeah, that that's... You know, there's been some books written about his papacy I haven't read yet. But I definitely have to read some more about that, Paisley, about yeah, how he was so alone during his papacy. I would like to read more about that. Christine says, do you know when they'll have a funeral for Pope Benedict? I will go. Um... Details are forthcoming, so we should um, we should know more about that shortly. We do not have any details at the moment, but um, we should expect to hear something pretty soon in the next few days because they they've been pre- they started preparing for this last week when he got sick. So, and like I said, we know that the papal the funeral is going to be the same thing as a sitting Pope would have uh, with all the pop and circumstance, whatever that means. The only thing is that there won't be a conclave, it, you know, uh, it won't be facing a conclave because we've already had a conclave for the sitting Pope now. Um, God bless you, David. Let's, let's pray for David and, and Pope Ben. I appreciate your prayers. I, I definitely, I definitely need them. Uh, ben says, thank you, David. Happy New Year to you and Felicia. May God bless you this coming year and always. Yeah, and the same to you and to you and Joey. We always keep you, you guys in our prayers. I have to send you a picture, Brianna, of um, you gave us an angel. So we have our angel. We, we you know, we're still unpacking. We're about 98% unpacked, but we we put up your, your angel that you gave us. So thank you for that gift. Um, May 2023, bring healing and strength to all your hearts through graces and the magnificent Holy Spirit. Yeah, thanks for that. Let's all receive that that blessing and prayer from Pink. George says, sources from the Vatican. Pope Benedict's funeral will be celebrated Thursday. Okay, so we have some information here. Um, January 5th at St. Peter's Square. All right, so we have some details. Thanks for that, George. Uh, Happy New Year, Julie. Julie also says Thursday. We got some funeral Thursday. Awesome. Good news. Happy New Year. Thanks for the prayers. Likewise, blessings. All right. See you all.
Happy New Year. Uh, Merry Christmas as well. I heard someone say, you know, there's always that debate. Like, when does Christmas end? Does it end on Epiphany? Does it end on Crystal Mac, um, Candle Mass? Does it end, you know, 40 days from now, whatever? Someone heard someone say, Christmas does not end until Jesus returns. So, therefore, keep your Christmas tree up until you die. And that's all I have to say about that. And I, and I'll see you all next time. God bless.